Good morning, Word of Life Church. A, uh, we, had, we had quite a few uh, early risers over at the New Prague campus trying to make it, uh, make it to worship before, the, before they headed over to uh, Henderson today. We got the, you know, the sauerkraut days, you got the big parade happening, there's a worship service over there. And so we're really excited that we've got kind <clears> of <throat> Word of Life West, you know, worship, worshiping over in, uh, in Henderson today. And I just think that's absolutely awesome. Um, as, as we're here and we're all gathered together, we just want to say a big, huge thank you to you for being here. We, we love getting to worship together. This is absolutely awesome. And, and not, not, because, not because we sing so good. Matter of fact, my voice is kind of gravelly today. But because of, of who we gather to worship and what he's done for us. And that's, that's the privilege of, of privileges. That we worship Almighty God, that we worship the God who, who loves us and saves us, and, and, and it's not dependent, that his love for us isn't dependent upon what we've done or haven't done, but it's dependent upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. I, um, I was 12 years old, or about maybe 13, I can't remember. My best friend's name was Danny Marioni. He was a little Italian. <laughs> and, 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 and Danny and I were on the same soccer team. We, rent, we lived in the same neighborhood. We hung out together all the time. Me and Danny Marioni, you know, unstoppable. And, 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 we just, and Danny Marioni, well, he had an older sister. And Danny Marioni's older sister was the prettiest girl I had ever seen. I'm just, you know, at that time at least, I hadn't met Heidi. So, you know, who knew that I'd meet somebody absolutely more amazing? But at that time, I was like, you know, Danny Marioni's sister was older. And, and, and so when, when she asked us if we wanted to go to a movie, I said yes. Danny was like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, you want to go. <laughs> what I didn't know is that she was going to a rated R movie that I and Danny could not get into. It wasn't just like a rated R movie like, oh, there's a little violence. It was a rated R movie that, that 12, 13-year-old me should not see. It was not healthy for me. It was not a good thing. But as we were kind of talking about how to go to this movie, someone had the great idea that like Danny's sister and her friend could go in through the front and they pay for tickets for the two of them. We were not smart enough to even buy tickets to another show. No, no. She then opened the back door and let us in the back way, which just kind of compounded into my feeling of guilt as I'm sitting in this movie watching what I knew was not good for me to be watching, knowing that I had lied to my parents because I said, hey, we're going to a movie. What movie are you going to see? And I just, I, I just had to name off another movie, all the, all the while knowing that I'm not going to that movie. I don't know how many times I lied to my parents in that day. 
lying to my parents, not paying for a movie, sneaking in through the back, watching a movie that wasn't, that wasn't good for me to be watching. And the guilt, the guilt of that day just kind of ate away at me. Now, maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, dude, a movie? Really? That's your big confession today? Because I've done the exact same thing. But as I, as I was preparing this sermon today, as I think back to myself at that time, the movie, the theft, the lying, the guilt, the guilt of that time comes back to me even today. I knew I was guilty. I knew that I was doing the wrong thing and I did it anyways. How many of us, maybe didn't sneak into a movie, but how many of us have sinned, whatever it is, knowing what we're doing is wrong and just doing it anyway? I got home after the movie and I sat down for dinner and lied some more to cover up my guilt. That pit in my stomach, I pushed the food around and didn't really eat. I sent myself to bed early somehow like thinking that like I should punish myself like I don't deserve to be like, you know, awake or something. I don't know. That seems like a pretty pale, you know, um, self-induced punishment for repeatedly lying to my parents. But I couldn't sleep. I just felt guilty because I was guilty. And somewhere in the middle of the night, I, I got up and went to my dad and confessed my sin. And he said, I forgive you. I have no memory of any punishment or anything else. I only remember the guilt and then the forgiveness. We talked about King David last week. King David, King David was at home at the time of year when all of the kings gathered to go to war. We have no idea why he was sitting at home, but he was sitting at home while his army and all of his generals and his best friends were all fighting the battle. And he was sitting on his rooftop patio. Now this was before porn. And so instead he was looking at another woman who was bathing. It happened to be one of his friend's wives. And after watching her bathe, it got worse. Because he had servants go and take her and bring her to his house. Where he committed adultery with 
one of his good friends, long friend's life, his wife, and then sent her home. In the course of I don't know how long, she discovers that she's pregnant. And Bathsheba sends news to David that she's pregnant with his child. It can't possibly be her husband because he's been up at war. He's not even home. So David, in an attempt to cover over that sin, he brings his friend home. Surely he'll go home to his amazing wife and they can have sex and cover it all up and everything's going to be fine, but he won't. A matter of fact, he slept right outside David's door, ready at any moment to be sent back to the battlefield to fight with his brothers in arms. Again, David, what are you doing? When Uriah, his friend, won't go home, David tries to get him so that he'll finally head home and sleep with his wife, but he won't. And so David sends him back to the battlefield with orders for his commanders of his own death. Yes, his friend, the King David. Orders that as Uriah is placed on the front lines, that the soldiers around him are to back up and allow him to be taken and to fight on his own and there on that battlefield. Uriah died. David killed him. The orders were his. And then David takes his friend Uriah's wife to be his own wife, Bathsheba. He thinks he has it all covered until God sends the prophet Nathan to go and visit. God knew. You see, David thought nobody knew, but God knew. And when God knew, he also told Nathan, so now Nathan knew. And then Nathan goes to, to visit King David and their friends, and they've, been, they've known each other for a long time. Nathan is a valued you know, person and, and, and consult, and, and so he comes in, and as he you know, begins to talk to King David, he tells him this story. He said there was a rich man. A rich man who lived in this house, and he had, and he had all sorts of flocks, and, and, and you know, and, he, and and wealth, and his neighbor was a poor man. This poor man had one little lamb. This poor man used to hold that little lamb in his arms and feed him by hand. This poor man would, would kind of rock this baby and, and caress this little baby lamb and raise it to life. And it used to run around in his house with his family. But one day, 
a visitor stopped by the rich man's house, and, and, and the rich man said, well, I need to make something for dinner. Oh, I know. And the rich man goes and takes the poor man's lamb and makes it for dinner for his guests. And as Nathan is telling this story, King David is getting more and more enraged. And then as it is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, Nathan said to David, after David's rage had gotten the best of him, and David said, who is this man? Because this man deserves to die. Nathan says, you are the man. You are the man, says, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, God, the God who saves, our covenant God. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, just like we were hearing last week. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives all into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Guilty. Now he knows. After he sinned and sinned and sinned, all in an attempt to cover it up, now he knows. And now there's no excuses. No but, 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 I would, but I didn't, none of that. No lies to cover it up any longer. David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I've sinned against the Lord. We've all sinned, each and every one of us. I guess my hope is that you haven't killed your best friend or, or slept with his wife. But regardless if it seems small to you, like breaking into a movie or lying to your parents. Each and every one of us has sinned against the Lord. And as David looked back on this day, he wrote... Psalm 51. To the choir master, a psalm of David, 
when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, You delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. (coughs) Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or else I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion. In your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Here ends the reading of God's word. Have mercy on us, O God. As each and every one of us has sinned against God, we all, we all can sing and say with David the psalmist, have mercy on us, O God. Please do not give us the punishment we deserve. That's mercy. I'm not going to make the same mistake I made, I think it was like six or seven years ago when I asked him to like play the game of mercy with me because he almost broke me, you know, uh, that day. And so I did, you know, have mercy on me, oh God. Not because of what, who I am or what I've done or not done. But because of your steadfast love. We're not calling out to God because we deserve mercy, because we don't. We're counting on the Lord's hesed, his steadfast love, his love that, that never changes, his love that cannot be moved, his love that loves us no matter what. His love that loves us no matter what. Have mercy on us, O oh God, not because of us, but because you love us all the time. No matter what. 
And then he begs the cleanup God to clean him up. He says, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I don't, I've got these white shoes and I don't know how many times I, I wash them over and over again trying to like get them white and things like that and it just doesn't seem to work and I blot it out. And matter of fact, just this morning, I have no idea where some blackness came on these shoes. I don't know what I was doing. I was just wearing shoes, walking through whatever my day held. And I looked down Sunday morning, and I don't have time to wash these shoes. And so I immediately was just like, oh, well, I'll try and blot it out. Yes, I literally tried that today, this morning. My blotting did not work. You can still see life on my shoes. <laughs> Dirt and whatever that blackness is. The psalmist David, as he cries out to the Lord for forgiveness, asks that his very sin be blotted out, that he be washed clean. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my, from my sin, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He wants, he begs to be washed, to be cleaned up, in a way that he can't do, he knows it. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That doesn't mean that, he ha that he's saying, oh, you know what? I didn't really sin against Bathsheba. I didn't really sin against Uriah. Sorry, buddy. Um, no, 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 no. He's saying primarily his ultimate sin is against God. And that sin against God then led into him sinning against each other. And guess what? We do the exact same thing. We sin against God first. We reject Him. We reject His way right before we sin against each other. That, those sins that we've done that we know it's wrong and we're doing it anyways. I know it's wrong to lie to my mom. I still do. I know it's wrong to talk to somebody like that. I still do. You fill in the sin du jour for you. And then he goes further because he recognizes that his sin isn't just the sins that he's done, but he himself is a sinner, that he has inherited sin, that even his, even his birth, he was born a sinner. It says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He is not outing his mom. He's like, yo, mom's a sinner too. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's not trying to deflect any sin on his poor, unsuspecting mom. What he's saying is that like, when mom conceived me, I got sin. It got passed on to me from Adam. And so person to person to person, as soon as every single one of us was conceived, guess what? Along with the, that wonderful you know, hair that you got from your mom, and along with those beautiful you know, eyes that you got from your dad, along with that height that you got from somebody that I did not get, not bitter about it, just a little. My cousin is seven feet tall. God could have shared the height. I'm sitting, you know, like, oh, serious. He didn't. But along with all of those traits, 
and those qualities, you also got a bonus. When you were born, you got sin and a sin nature that like kind of like keeps on wanting you to sin and say, hey, I got a great idea. You should probably lie to your mom today. Hey, I got a great idea. You should probably break into a movie theater. Hey, I got a great idea. You should probably break into the middle school and skateboard through the halls. That's another story. <laughs> but that's what this inherited sin does. And he confesses that, he, that he's got it. And what, re- what God really wants, what God really delights in, what gr- God really smiles at, isn't all that sin, but it's truth. Truth in our inner spirit that says, yeah, the truth is I've sinned. I'm a selfish little sinner in need of God's grace. What God delights in is that he teaches us wisdom in our secret heart. And Lord, do we need it. It doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from living, you know, the the life of school of hard knocks. No, no, no. The wisdom that we need comes from the Lord because he's the one who teaches us. He cries out again to the cleanup God. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow, like whiter than white. He, he's kind of coming up with, this is when like, like you know, like uh, singer-songwriters run out of words, you know, and they're not really sure like how, how to say it. You know, and David is like, I don't know how to say it. Like, uh, wash me and I'll be like whiter than snow, whiter than white, the whitest white that it possibly could be because I can't do it and only you can. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow because all I want to do is hear, hear joy again. All I want to do is, that, is hear that gladness again. All I want to do is rejoice, not in myself, but in you and in your salvation. I just, so broken. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. That when the guilt over something, and I don't know what yours is, when that guilt gets a hold in the pit of your stomach and you ache because of what you've done, when I ache because of what I've done, it's like God's law is breaking us on the inside. And all we want and all we need is the Lord and the salvation that only He can give. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. He has, he has seen the impact that it had on King Saul as Saul just rejected and rejected and rejected God and his ways, and then God finally removes his Holy Spirit from Saul, and Saul goes crazy, and he's angry, 
and he loses it all. And David just begs, dear God, please don't let that happen to me. Please give me a new heart. Please give me a new spirit. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Not joy in himself and joy in whatever he's, you know, the thrill of the day, but joy in your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will, re will return to you. This is it. All of those sins compounded in his efforts to cover up what he'd done. Now everybody's going to know. David knows. God knows. Nathan knows. The servants know. The, house, the whole household knows. The army now knows. The nation will know. Even we know, and it's been thousands of years. Everybody knows, you know? And David says, since everybody knows, I'm going to teach other sinners your way. I'm going to glorify you and what you do for sinners like me. Other sinners will return to you he says, other sinners will return to you because of the work that you've done in my life. He begs God to deliver him from the blood guilt. And he cries out to God, O God of my salvation. And it is the exact same cry that we get to cry out to him too. And then, and then he worships. Yes, he worships. My tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in a sacrifice or else I'd give it. You won't be pleased with a burnt offering. We don't need to do any of that stuff either. As we have received forgiveness because of what he's done for us, we get to worship. We get to sing about God's righteousness. We get to like we get to sing about you know and praise him and glorify him because of what he's done. And then other sinners will hear about it. Instead of our neighbors hearing about how judgmental the church can be, can be, maybe our neighbors need to hear how forgiving God is and how much he loves us. We don't need any more sacrifices anyways. Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He died once for all of our sins. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What God's looking for is a broken and contrite heart. And then in his boldness, because of his faith in the Lord and his trust in the God who saves, Yahweh. 
He asks God to bless his people. Yeah. Do good design in your good pleasure. Hey, whatever good you want to do to, you know, to, the, to your people, please do to your people. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, Lord. Lord, you're the one who protects us. Then you will delight in right sacrifices. Then all of your people will worship you. That's what we need. You, we've all sinned, and maybe we could kind of try and downplay the guilt just to cover it up. Or maybe we'll, you know, like increase the guilt by trying to cover it up with some other sins. Just pile that baby on. But what we really need is we need a really good washing and I'm not talking about getting our mouths washed out with soap. I'm talking about a washing that only the Lord God could give to us. A washing that washes away sin and guilt. A washing that draws us to the Lord because he loves us. That's what we need. We need a brand new heart. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He gave us a brand new relationship. He took away the sin and he brings us into a right relationship, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. We are begging you. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, God made Christ, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation that each and every one of us, instead of just covering up all of the things that we have done and the things that we're ashamed of, we have this opportunity to come before the Lord to cry out for cleansing. Lord, clean me up. My parents still make fun of me because I didn't like to be messy as a child, like ever. I would stop eating mid-meal to have my hands washed. Not kidding. No matter how, no matter how hungry I was, I was just, I was I, like, I just like stop, hold my hands up, Got them cleaned off, and I'm like, okay, I can eat again. You know, and, you know I, my, my, my mom says I was the worst finger painter in the existence of finger painting because I refused to get in there like my brother. Finger painted like this, two fingers at a time, and then held them up to be cleaned before I re-dipped into another color. <laughs> and then... Finally, it would just get to be too much. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I just hold my hands up. And I'm like, I need to get clean. 
I wish I carried that spirit throughout my whole life. But I lost it along the way every once in a while. I'm incredibly thankful to the Lord when he brings that spirit back. That when I know I've gotten dirty in the world, when I know I've gotten dirty in myself, when I know that I've sinned against him, when God crushes me with guilt, he calls me to hold my hands up, to get cleaned up, because that's what God wants to do, because he loves us. Mom, it's not an excuse to just keep on sinning. No, 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 no. God's calling us to a whole new life. He's creating in us a clean heart. We are a new creation. Behold, he's washing the old away and been giving us a whole new life. I don't know what sins you've been carrying around. I don't know what sins you're just kind of dabbling in today. But our God who loves us with steadfast love calls out to you. He knows what you've done. You don't need to try and cover it up anymore. Just come before the Lord. Hold your hands up. And he'll do all of the cleaning. Wash you whiter than you could possibly imagine. And you'll have an opportunity to tell a whole bunch of other sinners about the amazing cleanup God who washed away all of your sins and just keeps on washing and just keeps on washing and keeps on washing you. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. He gets all the credit because he did all the work. That's my cleanup, God. It's your cleanup, God, too. Let's pray. But God, we come to you. We confess to you that we've sinned against you. We're holding our hands up, Lord. Asking you, please, please wash us clean. All of our attempts to, of self-cleaning just don't, do the trick. And so we ask you, Lord God, who loves us with your steadfast love, please wash us clean. Remind us over and over and over again that you've given us a, a clean heart, a new heart, that we're a new creation. And that's the work that you're doing in our life. We ask you, Lord God, for opportunities to tell other friends and neighbors and relatives about the amazing cleanup that you do. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.